Next week is going to be the last message in this series that we started at the first of the year called Better, Better. Here's what we've been talking about. Everybody in this room, those online, everybody here has got at least one area, one thing in their life they can say, yeah, I want that to be better in 2024. It could be health. It could be finances. It could be marriage, a relationship. It could be a job, a career. It could be your mental health. But we've all got that at least that one area. Some of us, it's multiple areas. Come on, let's be honest. But we've all got that one. So I want to ask you just one question today. And, and I need you to be really honest with your answer. I don't want the answer that you think you're supposed to give because you're in church. I want your real answer honest answer. And here's the question. Do you really believe that God wants you to be successful, to succeed? So I'll say that there's no doubt in my mind. God wants every person here to be, to succeed. Here's the problem. Your idea, my idea of success is not always God's idea of success. And that's where we run into the issue because we look at our lives, we look at where we come from, our background, our social status, ethnicity, and it's easy to think this cannot be what success looks like. And you may say, uh, PK, listen, if you knew where I come from, the home I grew up in, the things I've done, you'd see there's not a lot of hope for me to be successful. And I get that because that's what society tells us. To go by. But here's the thing. When you look at the Bible, we hear names like Moses, Abraham, Esther, Ruth, Joseph, Jacob, David. If you grew up in church, you know those are the heroes of our faith. Those are some incredible people right there. People that we are here over 2,000 years later, we're talking about these people. Moses, he parted the Red Sea. He freed the children of Israel. Had multiple encounters with God. Abraham, he was literally the father of their faith. He was willing to sacrifice his own son. Well, Ruth, she refused to leave her mother-in-law, stayed faithful. There is an entire book written about her. Well, David or Esther, she risked her life to go before the king and save her people. David, he killed Goliath, and God said this about him. He was a man after his own heart. All those, all those things about those people are true. But here's the thing. If they lived in today, those would be what gets posted on their social media stage pages. The highlight reel. The, come on, that's pretty much all we post, the good things about our life, the good things. And that's what we would post. But we need to recognize every one of these people and more that we consider heroes in the Bible didn't start out that way. Moses was a murderer. Joseph, he was sold into slavery by his own brothers and later on did the right thing and got through in prison for it. You got Ruth, a widow, had no place to go, no one to take care of her. You got Esther that was taken from her family and then unwillingly made to be part of this competition to be the king's new wife. You've got David. David was an adulterer and a murderer. And then Abraham, get this, Abraham had nothing. And God said, hey, Abraham, go. Go. 
I would like a little more direction than that, if I'm being honest. Hey, direction. Hey, 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 Abraham, I got something for you to do. What is it, God? I'm ready. Go. Go, go, go where, God? See, all these people that, that we would point to and consider successful in the faith, they began their life in some of the worst possible situations. And what I'm trying to do is help you see that if God can take these men and women that were facing these dire situations growing up and coming from the worst possible backgrounds and he can use them to change the world, hey, can he not also use people like you and me today? So do you believe that God wants you to succeed? See, here's the thing. It's not just something that gets dropped into your lap. What he's going to do, he's going to give you opportunities. And we, I heard uh, Scott Shaw, one of my friends, he says this, you know, when we pray God move this mountain, uh, most of the time God shows up and hands us a shovel. So, Ecclesiastes 10, turn with me. Who wrote, <laughs> quick niece, who wrote the book of Ecclesiastes? Solomon. What Bible says he's the smartest man that ever lived, the wisest man that ever lived. Listen, we have read a lot of scripture during this series today. One verse and one verse only. One verse. Y'all ready? Are y'all ready, church? 11 a.m., don't make me work for it. I've got a meeting after this. Y'all going to wear me out? I'm going to think straight during my meeting. Here we go. Here's what it says, Ecclesiastes 10.10. 10. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more success, more strength is needed, but skill will bring success. All right. I want us all to read that together to get it in us. Y'all ready? If the axe and its edge... More strength is needed, but skill, that was all right. That was all right. I think we can do better. I want some enthusiasm when you read the Word of God. Y'all ready? Let's do it. If the axe and its edge, more strength, but skill, very good. Now, I've not always been a pastor. Uh, I've had several jobs growing up. I worked for a roofing company. Let me tell you about my experience with a roofing company. I worked for them one day. <laughs> Not because the work was hard. See, I grew up in a, when I say I grew up going to church every time the doors opened. I mean, I wasn't introduced to anything out there in the world. Now, I was mischievous. I got into it a lot. But let me tell you about my first day. I get into this truck with these two men, it's raining, so we can't do anything, so we're just going to ride around the truck all day. And I'm in the middle. Well, about 20 minutes into this, one of them lights up a joint, and they begin to pass it back and forth between each other. Well, me being the church boy, I'm like, I'm not going to get a contact high. I'm holding my breath for everything I can, man. And I left and never show back up for that job again. Uh, I was a repo man here in Meigs County. Oh, yeah. I've had to go in. Never mind. Let's go in. I've waited on tables. That's why I'll tell you, listen, if you don't tip your waiters and waitresses, you better not tell them where you go to church. 
I'm telling you, they work for the money. I've worked for a landscaping company. I've done HVAC work, installation and service. We've been worship pastors. But I'm going to tell you, the hardest job I ever had was when we cleared this hill off to make room for the church here. This is a job. Listen, when we bought this hill, when dad and mom bought this hill, it was covered. And so dad was like, hey, here's a good fundraising opportunity. Let's sell the wood. So we cut pulp wood. And listen, this is not like it is today where they got the little machine that they can make pick up the log and put it. That's sissies. That's sissy work. We, they cut the tree and we had to muscle it up on the truck. And then time you got done, you had this sticky stuff all over your body from manhandling this wood. Now, at least we didn't have chainsaws, didn't have to cut it with an axe. But now, I've worked with an axe before. I've cut a few things down. I've cut uh, Christmas trees down with an axe. I've uh, split wood with an axe. True story, when I was much younger, uh, our neighbor had this tree that grew these little red berries that we loved. So we decided to chop that tree down, drag it into, down to our house and eat all the berries. I would like to say that was somebody else's idea but mine, but truth is, I like those berries. Uh, so I've done a few things with an axe. And Solomon, the wisest man to live, says this, if the axe is dull and its edge is not sharp, more strength, more energy is going to be needed. But skill will bring success. Now, I've asked you a question about you personally. If you call this place home, if Wattsmark Community Church, you consider this your church, I'm going to ask you some questions. Do you believe that God wants to do more here at Wattsmark Community Church? Do you believe that God wants to do more through this church? Do you believe that, come on now, if you believe, I know we've got more bar attenders than this here. Do you believe that God wants us to experience true revival? Do you believe that God wants to still do miracles and heal people? Do you believe that God still wants to set more addicts free? Deliver people from a poverty mindset? Heal more marriage, restore more relationships? Single people, do you believe that God wants you living out your best life through Christ? Do you believe it? Men, do you believe that God wants you to be the man you were created to be? Anybody believe that God wants us to be a community of believers that live their life with a burning passion and love for him? I believe that. But here's what I know. It's one thing to say we believe that. And it's entirely another thing to actually step up and take ownership and decide we're going to do the things that need to be done to make those things happen. See, here's the thing. I, I don't know what you're passionate about. I know me. I, but I don't know what you're passionate about, what you love to do, what you're good at, what your vocation is, what God has even called you to do. But here's what I do know. Whatever your passion is, 
whatever you love doing or are good at, whatever you believe God has called you to do, you're going to have to answer this question. Are you willing to do the work necessary to be the very best at it? Listen, I'm not asking you, do you have what it takes to be the best in the world? I'm asking you, do you have it in you to do everything within you to be the best that you can be at doing what God has called you to be? Because here's the truth. Whatever you do, somebody else is going to come along that can do it better. But don't, uh, one to two years ago, Tom Brady was the GOAT. The greatest of all time. That's what we were saying. After this last Super Bowl, Patrick Mahomes and what he did, people are saying he's the GOAT. He's the greatest of all time. You may, I'm just telling you what people are saying. Listen, don't argue with me there. Man, I thought it was safe for that. But we all know who the GOAT is in Tennessee. Peyton Manning. See, I knew I'd get y'all to worship somehow. There we go. But here's the thing. Whatever you do, somebody's going to come along and be able to do it better than you. See, do you know what causes a lot of friendships to fail, partnerships to fail, ministries to fail, uh, careers? Comparison. Do you know what will be the downfall of this church? If we begin to compare ourselves to other churches the way they do them and think we got to be like they, them. See, comparison, we get focused on others, their accomplishments, what they're doing, how good they are at something, what they've accomplished, and then we begin to compare what they've done, how well they do that with what we've got. And there comes a time when you have to quit focusing on what others have and take responsibility for what God has given you. Come on, I'm preaching better than you're amen, but that's all right. Solomon said, if the axe is dull and the edge is not sharpened, more strength, more energy is needed, but skill will bring success. So related to that, I want to ask you four questions. If you're taking notes, here's the first one. What is your axe to grind? And here's what I mean, because we hear that when we hear, man, you got an axe to grind, I mean, you got a problem with me? But going on with what, what, what he says, with what Solomon says, here, here's what I'm asking you. What is it that God has called you to sharpen and step into? What is it that he's telling you to do? See, we are a little over a month into 2024. Let me ask you, are you going to approach this new year with the attitude of, boy, I sure hope something good happens. Boy, I hope things are different. Are you going to go into this new year with the attitude, I'm going to make something good happen. I'm going to create something that, that's going to make my life better. Because it's yours. How are you going to approach it? Because we become really good at put, as Christians, at putting all of our success on God's back. We'll even make it sound spiritual. You ever said this or heard somebody say this? I'm just waiting on God. Let me ask you, what if you're not waiting on God? What if it's the opposite? What if God is waiting on you? 
I mean, what, what, what if God is waiting on you to step up and take responsibility for what you have been given and begin to use it? What is your axe to grind? Because here's what I know. We all love shortcuts, right? My, my dad, when we traveled uh, with, with the legendary band, Ken Goins and the Spiritual Explosions, um, <laughs> My dad was notorious for terrible shortcuts. Like, we would be going somewhere, hey, is there a shortcut there? What should have took us three hours to get there ended up being like a nine or ten hour trip. Come on, anybody ever took one of those shortcuts? And that's the way it is with life. What we thought was going to make life easier for us ended up making things a little bit harder. We love shortcuts, but not just on trips. We love shortcuts in life. See, this modern, modern era we live in, you don't have to be a professional at anything. All you got to know is how to YouTube something. And you can learn to do anything. My son's eye said, Dad, I changed the brakes on my car. Well, how'd you do that? I looked it up on YouTube. Well, great. I mean, you don't, you don't even have to. It, it's, it, we want to. Here's what I'm learning. We want to be really good at certain skills, but we don't want to go on the journey and pay the price to be really good at that skill. So again, what is your ax to grind? What is it that God has put into your hand that he's waiting on you to step up, sharpen it, and get to cutting? Let's make this practical, church. Maybe your axe to grind is this, to be a better husband, better wife, be a better mom, dad, be a better man or woman, son, daughter, better parent, or just a better human being. Let's go a little deeper. Maybe your axe to grind is to be more responsible financially, to be more intentional with your health, to be more faithful at church and serving, to hone your skill to write whether it be songs, a book, short stories, a block, or, or, or teach. What is it? What is your ax to grind? See, I, I found there are a lot of things we could be better at that are just simple. We could be better human beings. We could be nicer. We could show more grace. Come on. We could be a better friend. Let me stop here about the friend thing. What if we quit putting all the responsibility on others to befriend us or be good friends, and we decided we were going to be the best friend we could be, the kind of friend that we would want to be, want to be our friends, instead of putting all the responsibility on everybody else to respond correctly? How would that change? Or, or what if we stop putting all our energy and focus on how you can impact the world and started putting that energy and focus on how you can just impact your home or your marriage or your kids? What if we did that? What would be different by the end of this year if you took whatever it is that God placed in your hands and you decided, I'm not going to take this for granted anymore? What if you took what God placed in your care? And you began to do the work that it takes to sharpen it and be the best. See, here's what I'm convinced of. God has given some of you influence. What are you doing with that influence? 
God has given some of you a business. What are you doing with that business? God has given some of you a particular skill. I have a particular set of skills. And, uh, let's go. <laughs> what are you doing with that besides going and rescuing your daughter? Uh, no. What are you doing with that skill? God has given some of you some of the creative ideas. What are you doing with that creativeness? See, he, let me say this. Don't wait on me, your pastor, to give you permission to do something. If, God, if you feel like God is calling you to go minister to the homeless, you don't need my permission to do that. Go do it. If you feel like God is telling you, hey, I want to set up a ministry. I, I want to start going and helping some widows, some single moms, and, and build some things or help them around their house. You don't need my permission to do that. Are you following me? Just what is the old Nike slogan? Just do it. Just do it. If God has gifted you with a skill, use it. What's your axe to grind? Question number two. What are you trying to cut down? What are you going after? What ambitions do you have? I know this is a crazy thought, but, but, but hear me out. What if instead of hoping something good happens, you set up a strategy or a plan to make and see that something good happen? What about if you quit accepting things as they are and make a decision that things are going to be different and you set up a strategy? Again, let's make it practical. This is the day of practicality. There's some areas of our lives that we need to quit tolerating and accepting that this is just the way it is. We need to come up with a plan and be intentional. Here's it. You say, well, okay, I'm going to be a better husband or wife. Set up a plan. Decide that you're going to do things to make that a reality. Men, I don't know, put your dirty clothes in the hamper. Wash your dish every now and then. Thank you, babe. The only amen I got from my wife. Women, how about going out and doing something that you don't particularly enjoy, but you know he does, so you go out and do it with him. No, I'm not just, I'm not just talking about sex. You realize that, man. You realize that, man. I'm just trying to make things clear. You're, there are other things. There are other things, too. Although, hey, That'll preach. Let's move on. Decide you're going to be a better mom or dad. Here's what I'm saying. If that's it, don't just come in and plop down on the couch and turn on ESPN. No, do something with your kids. Go out and play with them. Women, take your daughters out. for, for a, a, a I love that a lot of our men in this church, they came in this morning on our team, worship team, talking about being at the daddy-daughter dance last night. What were they doing? They were sharpening their skills as a dad. Decide you're going to be the best employee at your job. How about this? How about instead of complaining that you didn't get the promotion, complaining about how bad things are, how about you decide you're going to be the best employee you can be so they have no choice but to notice you? What about that? That would be wonderful. Thank you, Sharon. Do you know there shouldn't be, and I'm going somewhere with this, there's, there, there are some things we do that shouldn't be a surprise to us that we have to do them. Like, like, I didn't get up this morning, and I wasn't surprised that it didn't catch me off guard that I had to preach today. 
I didn't get up going, what? It's Sunday and I've got to preach. I, I knew I had to preach. I, I knew this was going to, it didn't catch me off guard. And I say that to say this. If I knew this is what I've got to do, I, I, I'm going to have to do this. If I'm bad at it, I don't have anybody else to blame but me. I knew this day was coming. I can't blame Bob and the worship team. I can't blame Bradley back on the sound or one of my, my, my personal points, my PowerPoints. I can't blame my wife. If, I'm, if I don't have this ready, I've got only myself to blame. I've known for a long time I was going to be doing this today. I know I'm going to be doing this next week. So it's up to me to be prayed up, to be studied up, to have things ready for today. Are you following me? But again, we've created a culture that wants to be really good at things but don't want to have to pay the price to be good at those things. Let me ask you, do you know why I preach the way I do? Do you know why we do things around here the way we do? Like we'll put on centuries, the rock opera, our Christmas play, Coming Home. You'll hear a secular song every now and then in our services. Do you know why we do things like that? Because I'm trying to cut down a tree for someone that doesn't know God that will enable them to see God for the first time. Uh, I'm trying to cut down the tree for a person that has been hurt by the church or that just doesn't like church. And they walk in here and they say, oh, so this is what it really supposed to look like. I'm cutting down trees every week. I'm cutting down trees so that people can walk in this room, feel loved and accepted just where they're at in life, but also know that the Holy Spirit is going to do a work in them that I can't do. Cutting down trees. It's one of the reasons why I have it. Listen, it's not all of them, so don't take offense to this. One of the reasons I have a hard time with a lot of street preachers because it's easy to stand on a corner and spew words. But it takes time to unpack and let somebody know why you feel the way you feel. See, I spend hours throughout the week researching, looking at different stories, comparing different scriptures, looking at the real meaning, the Hebrew, Greek meaning of different words, trying to come up with a joke that'll fit in here. See, I know I'm always going to be preaching. And because of that, I'm constantly looking for ways to better myself or sharpen my skill. What's your tree? What are you trying to cut down? This is in your notes, and it's important. See, there are some things you do just for fun, and then there are other things you do as if your life depends on it. Here, here's what I mean. I enjoy cooking. I enjoy making up my own recipes. My wife, will, I'll cook something. That was good. What's in it? Uh, I don't really know. I enjoy, I, I enjoy cooking. I love it when my kids come in. They'll say, hey, Dad, and, and I've got some specialties. I've got rusty chicken and a couple that they love to eat. They'll say, I love doing that. But you know what? I'm not expecting the Food Network to give me a call to start my own cooking show, PK in the Kitchen. So I, I, I'm, not, I'm not expecting that. I love to do it, but I'm not, I love a good game of pickup basketball. 
but I'm not the least bit surprised when I'm the last person to get picked. Because just because I love doing it, there are some things I do just for the fun because I enjoy it, but then there are other things I do as if my life depended upon it. And you got to define which one is which in your life. Number three, third question. How sharp is your edge? How sharp is your edge? Let's look again at what Solomon said. If the axe is dull and its edge unsharpened, more strength is needed. But skill will bring success. Have you ever felt like you've been working hard at something for a while but not seeing any results? Anybody ever felt that way? According to Solomon, it's probably because your axe is dull. Listen, I'm not saying you're dumb. Solomon is, but it's a little humor there, a little humor. That's because you need sharpening. See, when you decide that you're going to be intentional with developing that skill, you've got to be more intentional with sharpening it. That profession, because it, it, you've, you've taken the time and you put, when you take the time and you put in the effort to sharpen it, guess what? It's easier to cut down what you're looking after. But if you ever, or if you never take the time to develop yourself or that skill, if you never take time to grow or sharpen that area of your life, what you'll end up doing is swinging and swinging and swinging, putting in more effort and more energy, and all you're going to end up is, is worn out, tired, frustrated, and, and you're going to lose hope because you can't see anything ever getting better or changing. See, we've all got those things that we're just good at. You know, things that doesn't require a lot of thought. You're just good at it. It doesn't require a whole lot of practice or anything, and you love doing it because you're good at it. But here's what I found. That keeps so many people from developing that God thing that he put inside of us. Because when it's not easy, you worry about it. When you have to take a step outside your comfort zone, you worry about it. One of the questions I ask, in, uh, Denise and I ask in premarital counseling, one of the questions is, hey, what do you fear or, or what, do you, uh, uh, what is your biggest fear as you go into this marriage? Almost every time the answer comes back, the fear of failing. See, the fear of failing will keep you stuck. I, I'm absolutely convinced of this. There are people in here that should be running their own business but the fear of failing has kept you from taking a leap. There are here some of you that should be better off financially, but fear of failure has kept you in a poverty mindset. There's some of you that want to lose weight, get healthier, but you won't even start because you failed at it in the past and you're afraid you'll just fail again. There are those of you that feel God calling you into something different your fear of failure is keeping you from doing anything. Do you know why I've discovered the secret to living a failure-free life? Just do 
nothing. Never try anything. Never step outside. The only thing at the end of your life, you'll look back and discover your whole life was a failure. I heard Erwin McManus say it like this. He said, some people just need to get comfortable at being really bad at something. And what he was talking about, see, I, 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 do it, I used to do it a lot more than I do now about writing songs. And I've had my songs recorded by different artists and things like that. But when I first started writing songs, my songs weren't good. My mom would tell me they were the best things she'd ever heard. But, you know, but they weren't that good. But I'm going to tell you, anybody that's ever, that, that is an author, that writes songs, books, blogs, whatever, they will tell you this. They weren't very good when they started, but because they kept honing their talent, honing their gift, over time, they finally sharpened it to where they are today. Listen, I'm going to be honest with you. I listened to some of my messages when I first started preaching. And I'm like, that is horrible. How are we growing? And that was just last week. Let's move on. I mean, honestly, there have been times I've been up here preaching, and I'm thinking, Kelly, just shut up and end this. Go to your office. Bury your head and cry for a little bit. It'll get better. But <laughs> Brent has honed and developed the skill. Uh, never mind, let's move on. <laughs> so here's the thing, even in my failed attempts, I'm refining. I'm sharpening the skill. See, I want to develop a culture here where it's okay to fail. Where it's okay not to get it right every time. As long as you're being refined in the process of failing. Or uh, have you ever heard of the food company Orida? Anybody? L listen to this. I read this about them celebrating their failures. Orida or celebrated the failure of a potato experiment by firing a huge cannon out back behind their R&D building. Their leadership understand that each, fa each failure propelled the company closer to their next success, so they celebrated failure. Carol Dweck, in, in, in her uh, best-selling book, Mindset, The New Psychology of Success, she writes this. She says uh, about people that, that accept failure as part of the process. She says, they have a growth mindset, meaning they learn from their, their failures. Those with a fixed mindset will never try something new because they may fail. Therefore, they will never grow. Man. A lot of times we care way too much about what people think about us. What will they say? What will they think? And we've allowed a lot of people with negative mindsets to speak into our lives when God has told us to do something. And they come along and begin to whisper in our ear. And they create failure, a fear of failure, and we never try anything. You know who's really good at criticizing you for how you swing your axe? This person that sits there and don't swing an axe at all. That does nothing but complain about how everybody else is doing it. Oh, I don't care. I may make you mad right now, but I don't care right now. I love the way my dad used to say this. Hey, I like the way they're doing it better than the way you're not doing it. 
See, I want to create a culture here at Watts Bar where people that are learning to hear from God, maybe they miss it. But what you'll never hear, one of the things we do here before every service, at the 9 a.m. service, we bring the team in, those that are volunteer, whether nursery, WB kids, serving in the, we bring them in here for a time of prayer and worship. And then at the end of that, I'll say, hey, anybody feel like God is saying something? And we'll open it up. And here's the thing. Even if they get up and say something that I feel like they missed, I'm not going to publicly disgrace them. Later on, we may have a talk. But here's the thing. I want people to, to try and learn to hear from God because the more you learn to hear from God, you're going to start recognizing His voice more and you're going to know when you hear from Him. I wanted, listen, I want this to be a place where, man, we, we, where you could teach a man at breakfast, where you could teach at a women's event, youth event, WB kids, and develop what God has placed inside you without the fear of somebody just giving you a tongue lashing for doing it wrong. Can I be honest with you? And Bob will tell you this. Bob, who's our worship pastor, hasn't always been really good at what he does. There was a time when I wanted to say, hey, Bob, maybe it's not your thing. Honestly, Mom and Dad, Denise and I, as youth pastors, we created a place where Bob could get up here week after week, hone his talent, hone his gift. And because of that, man, he, he is one of the, as far as I'm concerned, the best worship pastors and leaders in, in, in our country today. I mean, he does a phenomenal job. That's the atmosphere and the culture that we need, not just in church but in our communities. What if we had a, where, where men had some brothers that they could go to and say, I blew it, I messed up. Or where women had sisters and women in their lives, they could go to say, I really messed up. And instead of us just telling them how bad they did, we were like, yeah, you did? Well, we're not going to stay down. We're going to get back up. We're going to learn from this failure, and we're going to move on past it. See, there are some of you that God has been speaking to you about trying something new. Maybe it's a new business. Maybe it's serving. Maybe it's giving. Maybe, maybe it's a ministry. But I, I don't know what is, but you've been holding back because you're afraid of failing at it. Listen to me. It's time to stop being afraid. And it's time to start that thing and expect. Go ahead and expect it to be bad when you start. Go ahead and expect it to miss the mark when you start. But knowing that through following God, He is honing your skill at it through the process. What is your axe to grind? What tree are you trying to cut down? How sharp is your edge? And if I get Bubba to come on up. Fourth, where are you losing strength? Solomon said if the axe is dull, more strength is needed. So where are you losing strength? Maybe I should ask it this way. Where are you wasting your strength? Maybe it's time to take some self-evaluation and ask yourself, what is taking all your time and energy and strength that you really shouldn't be giving it all to? 
So you have to determine, is this stealing my strength and energy because I'm doing the wrong thing? Or is it stealing my strength and energy because I'm just doing it the wrong way? I've not sharpened it. Because when the ax is dull, more strength is needed. A few years ago, um, we changed their pool over from chlorine to salt water. And we had actually had the system to change over for about a year. I just kept procrastinating, procrastinating. And finally, my wife kept on me and on me. I'm like, that gummit, I'm going to do it. Hottest day of the year, I go out and begin to work on it. I go to Lowe's. I pick up everything I need. I come back. I cut off the PVC, put the salt water in, make all my connections. I am sweating, but I finally finish. I am feeling good about myself. I let the glue dry for about an hour. I come back, flip it on. You know what? I got four leaks. So I'm about four hours now. I'm about four hours in this project. I am frustrated and I am determined that I'm going to do it because I'm not about to let my wife think that I can't do this. So I cut the parts that were leaking, put in new PVC, I glue it. After about an hour or so, I'm done. I let it dry, come back, flip the switch. Guess what? Still got some leaks. After about six to seven hours into this project, I am tired, I am mad, I am frustrated. Listen, I'm about 50% certain that I didn't cuss, but I'm 100% certain that I thought of several cuss words. And I'm mad, I'm angry. So I decided I'm gonna make one more attempt at this. The next morning, I got Zion, he's helping me. We worked for on this thing for a couple more hours. After letting it dry for two hours, we come back for the moment of truth. We pray over it. I sing in tongues over it. I get some olive oil and anoint it with oil. I plead the blood of Jesus over it. Then I flip it on. Thank you, Jesus. No leaks. Can I tell you that project drained me of every ounce of strength, joy, and energy I had. Something that a skilled plumber could have done in about an hour and a half took me over 10 hours and I finished frustrated, angry, and drained. Do you know why? Because that's not my skill set. That's not what I was made to do. And here's my point. There are some things that's taking and requiring so much of your strength and your energy simply because you're doing something you were never made or created to do. And you're going to have to let them go. See, as you grow into who you were made to be, you need to become aware and honest with yourself about what is just fun for you and what were you actually made to do. See, there are a lot in here. You have a skill, you have a talent, an ability that you could be great at if you were willing to pay the price. But if you're not willing to put in the work and pay the price, you'll always just be average at it. Quit wasting your time, your energy, your strength. Listen, I'm not saying you shouldn't have some things that are just fun to do. 
But many of us, we throw all of our energy, our time, our strength into those things that are fun to do that we have no strength or energy or time for the things we were made to do. And because of that, your axe is dull. And the very thing you were made to do is wearing you out and zapping all your time, strength, and energy. Listen, if you're going to become who God has credited you to be, He's going to have to do some sharpening on you. Think about sharpening an axe. If you didn't know any better, you would think that the axe is actually being damaged. It's not being sharpened. I mean, it looks painful. And I wonder how many of us God has been trying to use something to sharpen us. And because it wasn't comfortable, because it didn't look like the way we thought it would look like, we pulled away before he had got all the junk off of us. I wonder how many of us in here would have a better life if we just chose to stay in the process of him sharpening us. Hear my heart. There are people in here that have walked away from relationships. You've walked away from churches. You've walked away, and you'll tell me, oh, I've been this three or four times. And what I'm becoming to wonder more and more, there's only one common thing in all the places you left. It's you. And did you not allow yourself to be uncomfortable long enough for God to get all that junk off you, sharpen you to where you could begin to walk in the very thing He created you to do? I'm convinced. You know, we're, we're getting ready to start this building project. We could not build a big enough building if everybody in this room that called this place home began to sharpen and do what God had told them to do, even when it's uncomfortable, even when it didn't make sense, even when it felt it hurt. Stand with me. couple of different altar calls this morning. Heads bowed, eyes closed, please. If you're here and you know there are some things in your life that God started shaving off of you, started grinding this stuff off of you, but it got uncomfortable.
You didn't like how it felt. So you pulled away. And you know it. God started something in you. But before he was able to finish, you pulled away. I know you're here today. And if that's you and you say, you know what, Kelly, I know it's me. God started something. And I got uncomfortable. I got scared. I didn't like the way it felt. And I pulled away. And if that's you, and you say, but today, I'm ready to lean in and allow God to take whatever is on me that needs to be removed. I'm willing to stay through the uncomfortableness, the hurt, become the man, the woman God has created me to be. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, 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 yeah. Absolutely, absolutely. All right, put your hands down. Others of you, fear of failure has kept you from taking the leap. You know God has called you to do something. You know God has gifted you with something, but you've stayed in your comfort zone because right there you know how things are. But to step outside of that would put you into some unknown territory that you just, you're not comfortable in. But today God is saying, lay the fear down. Step into me. If that's you, and you know God has been speaking to you about different things, I don't know what it may be. It may be ministry. It may be a, a, a business. It may be a, a relationship that's gone sour. It may be a, an addiction. It may be a senior life. But you know, man, hey, God is speaking. Step out and lay this down. Whatever it is, as you know God's speaking to you, and you've allowed fear of failure to keep you from taking hold, and taking the step for what he's saying and telling you to do. If that's you, just raise your hand. Yeah, yeah. Okay, you can put your hands down. Here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to ask our prayer team to come up. If you raised your hand, or if you did, but you know you should, I'm going to count to three, and I'm going to ask you at the end of that to step out, and we're going to join forces with you and begin to pray with you. One, Two, three. Come on. Come on. I, I saw hands raised all over this place. Today's your day. Today's your day. Today's your day. Hey, hey, uh, Casey, Tiffany. Pray with this couple right here. Behind them. Behind them. Yeah, 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 yeah. And come on up here. Hey, Denise, will you come here and pray with Barb? Hey, Brent, our brother right here. I believe there's more. I believe there's more. Yeah, yeah, get, okay. There's more. There's more.
telling you, God is beginning to do some sharpening in here. I believe there are others in here, but you just got to step outside that comfort zone and be determined that God is going to do something.